This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers powered by together credit union empowering you to achieve your financial goals it is the last minute blues podcast donnie fandango jeff burton and former blue a current team member over uh, across the way at our sister station 101 espn jamie rivers gentlemen it is great to see you how are you i'm good Okay, why do they call it sister station? Why why couldn't it be a brother station? Like, I do, oh, I, I don't know that. I don't understand it. it. Like, I'll, I'll I'll call it that. I, I don't no, know. No, no, no. I just have always heard it that down way. The honey. Yeah. Okay, he's already pushing back. I know, I'm not I coming know. at you. Okay, just relax for a second. I'm just. It's trying to hard find for out. me to not for, for me to not be on the defensive. Right? I know, but even like okay, so let's change the direction. So. Not Donnie, but Anthony Stalter from the Fast Lane, 2 to 6 every day at 101 ESPN, by the way. Um, he says the same thing, our sister station. And I've often yeah. wanted to ask him that, but on live radio, I figured that I might get, you know, the death stare from somebody. And you know, <laughs> some days I'm into that. Know but, the answer to, yeah. Yeah, but I just wonder, why is it a sister station? Yeah, and, and, and especially since that it is a, you know, male-leaning sports station. Donnie, you know what I, I mean? I don't really like you to paint it with that brush, please. Well, I'm just you saying. You only have guys listening is what you're saying, right? Are you, you know what? Sometimes are you I, saying that women can't listen? That, that's, <laughs> are they unable? Hey, I have a subject that we can all talk about. <laughs> anything to get me out of this. Legitimately anything. How about frustration with St. Louis drivers? Oh, God. I don't even. You might not want to get me started. I, I no, leave I here like every I want day. I to put a quarter in that machine. <laughs> I leave here every day, and if I don't get lost on the way home, I take 270 South. And yeah, I take it's really 40, hard to get out to where you live. Right, I know. 44 West out to the <laughs> mansion that is the Burton household. The and, Burton compound, really. It's right, really it is. kind of a compound. Yeah. 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 It's mostly because uh, they try to keep Jeff a, in there. 270 is the, the uh, a highway to take to every funeral and wake, oh, yes. by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean the funeral processions, and it, you don't feel smaller in this entire world than when you get into one and you didn't realize it. Okay, so... Right there for a second. What is funeral etiquette? I know overall, you know, you don't you let them go through the red light. You don't you don't cut the line. But I've been on two seventy, and the procession's like a mile long. Right, and I've got to get off the highway, and I can't get over because there's four hundred cars lined up. So I I drop a shoulder, 
and I drive the net. Like I, I, I cut mean, you in. have to. It's, you you I have think to. That's like, the least dangerous. I roll the thing window to down, do. yeah. and I put my hand up, just like respectfully. Like I wave it. Like, look, I know I'm cutting through here, but please understand. Like, I have to get off. Yeah. Would the you rather me here. put my brake on and slow down to forty on the highway for you guys accident. to get back? Uh, either way, no way. Yeah. So, yeah. am I okay to do that? I think so, as long as you don't linger in the line. You just get get yeah. in and get out. Just do the what is that? What was the game? Frogger, you just do the yeah. Frogger. You just get over. It. Just yeah, don't be too. the douche that's zipping in and out of that. Yeah, right. because I've seen that too, yeah. and I want to choke those people. And here's what's and I don't even. Blame you. I don't and here's what's it. even worse is what the this popped into my head. One day this week, I probably Monday, I think it was. I got on two seventy and I'm cruising along, you know, and I pop my beer and I get. No, I'm just kidding. I'm cruising, <laughs> cruising it's a along. Twist off. No, that's why he, he's lying. He doesn't pop. It's a twist I, off. I look up and I see nothing but traffic in front of me and brake lights and all that. I'm like, ah, oh, crap, because I got to go all the way to 44 and then take it, you know, to the Eureka exit, and I'm not even to Doherty Ferry yet, and I'm sitting at a standstill. And then they decide to shut down the ho- the highway right there and have everybody get off at Doherty Ferry. Oh boy! So most people are getting off at Doherty Ferry and then turning around and going back up and probably hitting 40 to go wherever they are. For me to get out to Eureka, I could just hit Doherty Ferry, take a right, and take it through Valley Park and and all that stuff, right? Sure. But you had four lanes of cars trying to get over. People, just let each other over. Yeah, man. I mean, you don't have to sit there and let 17 people over and be the good Samaritan on the highway. You let me over, then the next person goes, then the next person goes. It's called zippering. I agree. And and, it makes sense. To, to the fact that I'm sitting there with my blinker on, why do you even have to put a blinker on, first of all? Because the cops are telling us where to go. Right. Yet you're going to get right next to the bumper of the person in front of you because if you get somewhere one car length sooner than me, that makes your day? So I'm with you on this 100%. Where I get uh, my feathers ruffled and where sometimes I will be an absolute Richard to people is... The guy that every, he sees everybody's trying to zipper in and do the thing, and it's going pretty well, and then woof, mm. guy that goes all the way up oh, to the front of the you. line yeah. and then decides he's going to cut over. Mm. No, screw you. At mm. that point, at that point, I'm gluing my bumper to the car in front of me, and right. I'm not letting him in. Which Amen. is why you keep that glue in your car. I, I had always <laughs> wondered why that case Never know glue. when you're going to need it, Jeff. <laughs> it's always better to have it. He's just prepared, man. He's just a guy that's always it. prepared. Yeah. And I know this isn't... A big uh, a thing that bothers a lot of people, but the temporary tags that are expired. I just want to have a conversation with the person I saw yesterday or the day before with a, a tag that expired in September. My man, I like, saw give one. Give me your reason. I saw one la- late last year. Well, they don't that have was the money from, to pay the taxes. Uh, but then you shouldn't be driving I, that car. Jeff, I understand that. The, I saw Times one last year pandemic, from 2019. <laughs> 2019. 2019. How many tickets do you think you get with that in 2019? How many officers are actually stopping that's them? The, I think well, that's, that's very true, issue. too. That's so, the issue. I, I'm not going to get into it because that's an easy one to, to be like. Because I, I think sometimes police officers now are more inclined to be like, you know what? They don't have a gun. I don't think. They're not doing it. I, I ain't getting involved because all the cameras are coming out, and I'm going to be the, the jerk for pulling this person over, and they're like, go yeah, ahead. Let want, the next you, guy deal yeah, with Yeah, raise your hand if you want to be a police officer, right? Yeah. No well, the thing is, too, man, is like I try to have empathy because I understand the idea of, of you know, man, sometimes those taxes can be tough, sure. and, and, you know, sometimes you might have to get a car because you're the one crapped out, whatever, but I, I, also, too, man, there are rules and laws for, for a reason. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know... 
My, I, I just, my whole thing. I, I have empathy for them because a long time ago, I was that guy. I, sure. I, maybe not for that many months. You're riding dirty, Doug? But, oh, yeah. 100%, man. I was, I'm telling you something. I think we've all done it. Well, maybe it, not Jeff because, you know, he polishes his halo. <laughs> but I'll be, I'll be very honest with you, man. Before I met Mary, my, dude, I'm so bad with money. I mean, so bad, like negligently bad with money. Mm. And until I, I, I you, bro. until I met Mary, who is a responsible adult that saves money, pays bills on time. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, maybe like, even early. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like I, I definitely yeah. put myself in that position, so I do have a little bit of empathy. But at the same time, man, I mean, you got to get your stuff square, or yeah. you're always going to have that feeling where you're, you know, where you're, where you're puckered up I when just, you're driving I around. I couldn't yeah. do it. I couldn't do it. I'd be driving around going. Every single police officer knows that I'm out here right, <laughs> right. now. Like they got well, some yeah, sort of an alert or you something. You certainly wouldn't want to be yeah. pulled over. No, no, that's a different thing no. for you, as opposed totally to us. Different reasons. Your cold sweats are for other reasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because the first thing the cop asked was, why'd you roll all your windows down as soon as you pulled over, Jeff? Sir, do you need some Visine? The last time I got pulled over, remember what happened? I, I turned my yeah. car off. I the was coming over the trunk Blues for me. I turned off the engine and put the keys on top of the car and put my hands out the window. As the cop was rolling up, he's like, what are you doing? I so I you know just wanted to make sure everything was cool. Yeah, and I find out later from police officers that like that's what something would somebody would do if something was bad. Oh, of course, that's literally saying I've been arrested a thousand times. Yeah. Here's I know the procedure. But my dad always Jesus, told me, Jeff, what's wrong with I used you? To, I watch cops. My dad always told anymore, me though, you if know. you if you got pulled over, that you want to make sure the police can see your hands. So that's why I. Wouldn't think that would be terribly bad. No, but Donnie, uh, the problem with it is, is the guy hasn't even said anything to you yet. (laughs) You shut the vehicle off. The keys are on the top. The hands are out out the window. You're reading yourself your own Miranda (laughs) rights. Like the cop also, he doesn't know if they're my hands or some hostages. <laughs> yeah, cop is like, okay, all right, this is going to be an easy one. I'm just going to pull over and hit Jeff, the trunk button. Do you want to write up your own report? Yeah, here, sir, here? I, already, I already made this ticket for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I just happen to have a booklet in here. Uh, well, you know, one thing has remained remarkably consistent in the last couple of weeks since since we've been able to uh, to hang out together. Guys, our Blues team is still playing really, really well. They had another batch of COVID uh, things. Craziness. Uh, We're able to make it through that and seemingly back and healthy again, man. Uh, This team, this division, everything about it is going to be a really exciting finish for this. I I heard on the NHL Network, it was yesterday, I think it was, that uh, it's actually the cases are actually dissipating in the NHL now. Well, like yeah, because everybody's had it. That's I would kind think of, so. Kind of part of the reason for thinking that, no, but, but hey, that's it is what it is, news, right? Though, yeah, like it is what it is. I, yeah. I think the NHL, as we know by now, and if you don't, uh, well, I guess we'll be your breaking news. Uh, the NHL is going to non-testing unless you show symptoms, and so people, you know, you're either for it or against it. I understand, but again, my argument or my my point would be that. You're at work every day. Your kids are at school every day. And if if everybody is asymptomatic, you don't know who you're standing next to that could or may, may or may not have it. So why are these athletes being forced to test every day? And there's I've got a whole other you know, thing on that, but I don't want to get into it because people get heated with COVID. And I'm, all I'm saying is be responsible. Uh, the one thing I worry about is players not being forthcoming. And because... Right. I can tell you I've hidden a million injuries in my career. Heck, my last five years of my career, I didn't even get treatment at the rink. What I would was, fake it that I was okay, go home and get treatment. What was the biggest injury that you hid 
Because mere mortals like us, I can't imagine hiding a, a, a twisted ankle. No way. And just coming yeah. in here and sitting on my ass and doing uh, boob jokes. I had a, Much less skating. I had a shattered heel. I took Ugh. a slap shot in the heel, and uh, I would wear a boot everywhere, except for when I pulled up to the rink, I'd put on my normal shoe. So they didn't in. even know. They didn't know. Um, I also had a torn meniscus in my knee. I played five months on that. Uh, two broken ribs that I didn't tell anybody about. I just told the trainer. I said, add a piece of plastic in here. And he's like, why? Well, I go, oh, I'm tired of getting cross-checked there. Mm-hmm. And So you play through that. So what if someone, what, what if Jamie River, what if a version of you is playing for you and you find out that they had been hiding injuries? Mm-hmm. What is that conversation like? Because I'm sure You're it's... You're not having it. You're, You're not, not having it. Because, look, at I wasn't a guy, I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't Tory Krug. I wasn't Chris Pronger, where you take the time, you get healthy, and you heal. If I miss a practice, I could be Wally Pipped. Yeah, yeah the next guy sitting there foaming at the mouth to play, and this is where it gets dark in pro sports. Is you know one of the assistant trainers knew some of the stuff I was dealing with, and you know it's crazy, but you slide a guy a few hundred bucks, you know, tip money here and there, and they keep it quiet. They take care of you on the side. And there's a drug called Toradol. It's an injection, and you take it before you play or practice, and it numbs your whole body and everything. The world is fantastic until later on that day or that night when all of it comes out of your body. Then you're sitting there, and you're in miserable pain like you wouldn't believe. And so that's why I say it gets dark because you you, you know you try to manage this pain. You're trying to get through. You're trying to collect your next paycheck. So... I guess uh, it's tough. That's a that's a discussion we could have. We could have a whole episode yeah. on these things. But I, what I worry about with this COVID stuff is that guys won't be forthcoming with, you know, a runny nose, a sore throat, uh, a cough. You know, you can kind of mask all that pretty easily. And there's going to be more times than not probably guys that are going to turn a blind eye to it just because of all the freaking guys that have missed already. I think the NHL, it's pretty easy. The number one thing as far as a symptom that I know of, and I've checked with medical people. This isn't Jamie Rivers' diagnosis here. This is what I have been told, is the fever. If you have a fever, odds are that you have COVID, if you have the other symptoms too. So I think that the NHL could easily just go back to fever checks when you get to the rink. And if you don't have a fever, you know, you're allowed to go in. We're not going to test. We're not going to jam the Q-tip up your nose and rattle it around and do all that crap. Yeah, but if you have a fever, then you get tested. All right. You may test negative, and that's fine. Go on, put your stuff on. All right. I uh, I, I tend to be a downer here, so get ready for it. Uh, but I'm a little concerned mm-hmm. about these new rules taking an effect with the All-Star game happening, and you're getting the best players from all the teams together. <laughs> and I, listen. I love NHL All-Star Weekend like no other sports weekend. I watch the skills competition. The All-Star game is fun. But, I mean, are we, like, sort of playing with fire there in that Probably whole situation? Yeah. And, I mean, it's not like they're going anywhere that has people, though. I mean, they're only going to Vegas. Right. Um, That's a good point. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Talk about a ghost town. <laughs> right. um, look, I, but you know what, Donnie? It is what it is. Yeah. Like, every day they go to the rink, it's the same scenario. Yeah, I guess well, what right. about what about you said that the one of the keys from doctors telling you, not Dr. Jamie. Not Dr. Jamie. Is that it starts with a fever. Start Most of the time, the pri- the number one common denominator of it is the fever. Well, what about maybe testing for 
just temperature. That's what he just well, said. That's what I said. Oh, you did? Yeah, you Jeff, did. Oh, welcome okay. to the show. No, it's great. I appreciate you being so you're, here. No, wait, well, hold on a second now. Before Donnie completely falls down. Donnie did fall but down. what I'm saying is walk in every day and as opposed to the COVID test, just do a temperature test. Jeff, is I that what you said? said? I dosed. <laughs> I love him so much. I, I, I just, Donnie, I don't know if he's I crazy or I'm crazy missed, right now. I completely missed the part where you said take out the daily COVID test yeah. and put it a okay, temperature well, test. Okay, so well, let's try this again. So take two. Uh, I said the number well, one. He's still a douche. Think, no. After all these two I'm weeks. I'm the douche. Yeah. <laughs> to, I you, all you, all you had to say was that's what I meant, Jeff, or that's what I said. Well, then I'm we could have moved again, on. So you don't I'm have sorry. To again. It was just funny. I, that's why I, it, it, I was... He just said that. I just, that's what Donnie, it got me. You thought he was messing with me too, didn't you? Yeah. 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 100%. Especially I was with your. With you. No, you I was weren't. Don't try to hide it. No, totally. Was. I saw it in your eyes. Now, but the the the, oh, right the whole the cure shot. to this thing. What if they just do temperature checks every time? <laughs> I think that's a great idea. I think Thank that you. When they get to the rink. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, instead of you know jamming the Q-tip up the nose, I even uh-huh. made that whole thing like that. Um, I didn't hear you say on a daily basis do that. Yeah, I just said whenever they get to the rink, if. Check it for temperature. It's quick. You get the digital thermometer. They're pretty accurate. Yeah. You know, a couple of little degrees, not degrees, but uh, point, whatever, off. And if a guy has a temperature, then you test him. If he doesn't have a temperature, hey, go put your stuff on. That's what I just said. Yeah. No, it was a great idea by you, Jeff. Thank yeah, you. Uh, an amazing idea Talk to by you. About it. Let, let him know. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff they have this thing called the wheel. You should invent it. What? All right. So the biggest, <laughs> listen, whether this team, it, it doesn't matter how well the team is playing. Uh, the fan base is always going to find something to grouse about. Uh, always going to find no. something to, to, to complain about. And one of those things in the last couple of weeks has been the play of Jordan Bennington. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is there, quote unquote, a goalie controversy? And I, I'm going to say what I think Jamie would say here is that, one, it's a long season. All right. And there's ebbs and flows of every season for virtually every player. And that right now, maybe Bennington is in one of those kind of weird ebbs, but he's got plenty of time to get himself right. And you've got a tremendous backup goaltender in Huso that can pick up the slack. So to me, it's a non-issue. You're just going to see Huso get a couple more starts, but Bennington is the guy, will be the guy. Nothing has changed except maybe Huso. You see him a couple more times. What do you... What about that? The last time the Blues won the Stanley Cup, they had two really good goalies. Yeah. I don't see this as a problem. No, I agree with both of you guys. Uh, here's the deal. Right now, Billy Huso's playing great. I, gi- I I give him the baton. And you know what? Run with this baton and, and do a great job. We have back-to-backs coming up in two straight weekends, which means I'm definitely going to go with Jordan Bennington, at least in one of those games. And if you look at the way the schedule is, Huso might get one extra start as opposed like you're not just going to say hey you're starting the rest of the the next seven games and jordan bennington you know i I was down at the rink yesterday they're doing work early on the ice on the separate ice surface him and and billy huso were out there with david alexander doing some stuff ryan o'reilly of course was out there working on things too um but yeah this is a time of uh the 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 timing of this in this season is you just give it over to Billy Huso and you let him play. He's playing fantastic. Two questions for you. Number one, how's their relationship? Uh, because this could come between people that don't have a good working yeah. relationship. Uh, and, and also, what is Bennington's uh, mental state as far as a Jake Allen kind of effect that this could have? Yeah. So a couple things here. This is where having great leadership and culture matters. Jake Allen set a precedence that now that's the measuring stick. And what I mean by that is the way he acted and the way he treated Jordan Bennington during that whole thing, that's what Jordan Bennington has to base this off of now. 
So Jake Allen was incredible. We saw that he was an amazing teammate, Jordan Bennington. Nobody had Jordan Bennington's back more than Jake Allen. Heck, Jake Allen started to uh, pretend he was the opposition's goalie in the playoff. Like He totally turned into an ultimate team player. Mm-hmm. But then when called upon, played really well for the Blues. In fact, I would argue without Jake Allen down the stretch in that regular season, maybe they don't do as well. Maybe they don't get there. Maybe they don't, you know what I'm saying? He was a big part of it. Uh, so same dynamic here. I think Jordan Bennington learned from Jake Allen in this particular situation. Uh, to my knowledge, there's a fantastic relationship between Billy Husso and Jordan Bennington. Jordan Bennington knows he's the guy. Jordan Bennington knows he's the, the goalie that hoisted the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. He knows who he is. I don't think Jordan Bennington lacks confidence. If he did, I think that you know many years ago he would have packed up shop and said, "Screw this hockey, it ain't right. worth it." Yeah, yeah, he didn't. He didn't sign as a twenty-year-old and have all the success. No, he wasn't he, handed he took anything. He worked his, you know what, off. Well, what I like about this is you said how Bennington is doing what Jake Allen did a couple, two, three years ago, and yesterday on your show you talked about the culture of the Blues mm-hmm. and how now Shin is doing what Steiner did a couple of years ago, and that's that culture where everybody just passes down, do whatever you have to but do. But that's what it is, right? So that's what people say. Well, what is culture, anyways? Well, that's what culture is. So Alex Steen learned from guys like Big Walt, Keith Kachuk, and and Keith Kachuk learned from guys that were before him. I know he started with Winnipeg and whatnot, but if you go down the line of what it is to be a St. Louis Blues hockey player, I think we lost the culture a little bit there. You know, 2004, we had the lockout, and coming out of that, you know, you trade Chris Pronger. You lost a big part of your team at that point. You still had Keith Kachuk and Doug Waite, and they were trying to rebuild what they know as the culture. And then Ken Hitchcock came in, and I think Hitch, as much as people will love to hate him or hate to love him, whatever it is, he helped establish that culture of put on your work boots, put on your work hat, and let's go here. But Alexander Steen was a young player who came in and saw, oh, this is what it's like to be a pro. Now he also had his father to pull information from. And if you don't know who his father was, Thomas Steen, his numbers retired up in Winnipeg, was a fantastic player. Uh, so Steiner probably had a little bit of an advantage of knowing what it's like to be, you know, in a good hockey environment, but that established culture. So now Braden Shen, uh, as I said yesterday, Jeff, and you're listening. Thank you for listening, by the of course. way. Uh, he's adopted that I'll play wherever you need me. And why is he doing that? Because he watched Alexander Steen do it and win a Stanley Cup. And so now Jordan Bennington, and this, I'm not comparing Jordan Bennington right now to Jake Allen in the sense that, oh, well, he's the goalie that's going to be the number two now. The young guy overtook him. No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is while he deals with a couple of bumps in the road and while Billy Husso is playing very well, he's going to have a great attitude. He's going to be supportive. He's going to be a great teammate. He's going to work his butt off to get back in the net. And you better believe Jordan Bennington wants that net back. And that's the best case scenario for the Blues. You get two goalies that are playing fantastic. Hey, you know how it is. You win championships with your goaltending. All right, so let me let me ask you this. When will the fire sales start for the crappy teams in the league? When will we start to see some player movement being made? And how early do you see the Blues getting involved in that sort of thing, Jamie? Yeah, I would like to see them get involved sooner than later. I think that there's probably more value about making a trade right now just for culture. Mm -hmm. You get a guy to come in, and he gets to learn what it's like to be a St. Louis Blues player, get used to Craig Berube, get used to the systems, get used to the city, whatever it is. The longer the runway, usually the better it is. And I think the asking price is probably better in some situations right now because you're not up against other bidders, possibly. Mm-hmm. And so let's just take the housing, mar- housing market right now in St. Louis area. 
if you're able to get in and make an offer on a house with no competition, that seller is probably a little more apt to wheel and deal with you and work on the price. Whereas if there's eight or nine bids on a house, you're screwed. They're going to drive the price up, take the biggest, best offer, no matter how much they like you, Jeff or Donnie, it doesn't matter. Money talks and you know what walks. So right now, hockey is the same way or pro sports is if you can get in before the the mass feeding starts for these defensemen or forwards or goaltenders, then sometimes you get a better deal. Well, that brings us to uh, you know a team that you th- that you have said all along that you think could match up as a potential suitor for a top four defenseman, and that's Montreal. Mm-hmm. And this week, my question for you, and I know it's not unprecedented, but they named a new general manager. The the, the Habs did, and he was an agent, so he's switching careers. Can you kind of talk about that, man, and, like, what this means for an organization like the Canadians? T- to me, it's a, it seems like a very bold sort of thing, but I guess maybe right now that's what they need. To, to me, it seems like it's somebody who is in the business of player evaluation anyway, because if you're a crappy player, I don't want you to be, you know, I don't want to be your agent. So do they kind of rely on that knowledge? Yes. Uh, there's a lot of factors that are going to come into it. First of all, Jeff Gorton, who's the president of hockey operations, he's a fantastic hockey mind. He was in Boston when I was there. He was an up-and-comer. I think he was assistant GM at the time. He's a great evaluator of talent. And so I think that he's going to put together a staff that is really good at finding the players. Now, Kent Hughes uh, is, a, is a player agent. We're, we're, here's where it comes into an advantage is the negotiating, knowing the market players knowing the value of each player Mm. and what do they say what's the old saying if you want to learn how to protect your house hire a crook to show you you know like if you hire somebody who can rob your house to show you how to protect your house basically so you hire an agent who knows what they're pushing on the other side of the fence is basically the enemy yeah now he's working on your side and so from what I understand, he's great at negotiations. He's got great relationships with, obviously, a lot of the players and a lot of the other general managers. And that's something, too, is he's had communication probably with every almost GM. every GM yeah. in the league. So right. it's not like when he calls, they're like, who is this? Now he's just calling with a different title. So, Jamie, like, and I know, you know, we're not here to talk Montreal Canadiens hockey, but they're in kind of a unique situation, man, in that a year ago they're in the in the cup final. Now they're the worst team in the league, essentially. There's the Carey Price situation that's out there. You have a, a seemingly world-class goaltender that can come back. I mean, what happens here? Does does Price get moved? Do they completely tear this like thing down? Him. But but that contract, and now with all his injuries, and then he went to rehab this year. Like nothing against that. I'm glad he stepped up and identified yes. that he had a problem and, and all the power to him. But if I'm a, a potential team out there at ten million dollars a year, yeah, maybe I'm pumping the brakes. I want to make sure that he's got his head clear and that everything is on the uh, on the up and up. Um, if I'm Montreal right now, it's fire sale. It's fire sale. No time is greater than when you get new management in there to completely revamp your organization. Well, what are you thinking as a player that I'm, my, my ass is probably on the hot seat right now? No, I'm thinking as a player that if I want to stay here, I play well. I work hard. I'm part of the solution, not the problem. And if I'm not happy, then I'm telling my agent, I'd like out of here. You need to talk to them. I'm going to play my ass off, but I'd like out of here. And that's this kind of the way it works. But I think it's the best time right now. So you you talk about Doug Armstrong and, like, when is the right time to make a trade? I look at it as this way. Montreal probably right now is looking to 
start the process. So Kent Hughes is looking to come in and put his stamp on the team. What better way to do it than to start moving bodies out of there and mm-hmm. start showing the Montreal fan base where they're headed, what the direction of the team is. So if I'm Doug Armstrong, I'm picking up the phone. And if Ben Sherratt is the guy that I've decided, hey, you know what, I think he's the guy that can come in here and do the job. He's unrestricted. I'm going to offer a third-round pick for Ben Sherratt and maybe a lower prospect, somebody that I don't necessarily think could play here, but he might play in Montreal as a role player. That's the deal I'm sending because Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon might be like, you know what, that's a great idea. Let's take that third-round pick. Boom, we'll take this young player, see what we got here. We're out from under this contract, a little salary cap space here, and boom, we're off and running. This is direction where we're getting rid of the old. He's, and, got it. he's making the, his mark already. Yeah, he's making already, your mark. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm a GM and I'm looking for anybody on that Canadiens team, I'm picking up the phone immediately and trying to get a deal done. The only thing, really, that the Blues are looking for right now is a D-man. Right, I mean, there, there's nothing uh, else they can assume. Possibly... I mean, Doug Armstrong does some crazy stuff. Sure. Like, all of a sudden, you know, who knows? He might end up with Matthew Kachuk at the trade deadline. I'm, uh, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that too. I mean, I don't know what it would take. It would probably take an awful lot of stuff going the other way. But I'm just using an example, yeah. and I don't have any insider information on that. I wish I did, but I don't. I want to ask you about two players specifically, Jeff. I'm sorry if you had something no, you're to good. ask. Go I ahead, apologize. Man. Uh, one. I saw Coach Berube say yesterday that it looked like Logan Brown was going to be a healthy scratch because he essentially deserves to be in a top-nine role if he's going to play. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating to me where he's going to get ice time that he so richly deserves. And then that brings us to this next guy. Where does Clem Costin fit in on this team at this point? Mm -hmm. And to me, you said it a few weeks ago that this could be a trade chip waiting to happen. But to me, man, I don't know what that guy is doing to continue to keep himself in the lineup when everybody's healthy. I'm a huge fan of Clem Costin, as you guys know, and I'm out there going, are they going to start charging him ice time? Yeah. Because he seems seems like if it was baseball and he was a pitcher, he'd be an innings eater. Yeah. Like he's out there all the time. He's not doing anything bad. But he's not exactly scoring goals. I know he, he hit hit a, hit a pipe the other day. He's thrown his body around a little bit. But you and I were talking the other day. That, I mean, he's losing his footing when he gets the gets the puck. Like he's nervous, or I don't know what to do, and he yeah. kind of falls. I think a fresh start would be good for Clem Costin. I really do. Uh, I don't see him fitting into the top nine anytime soon with this Blues team. I mean, even if you fast forward to next year, look at the left wing situation. You know, now if you've got Braden Shen playing the wing, like that's one more guy that is in your way. And you know, Logan Brown has already outplayed Clem Costin this year. So if you're looking at your your depth chart, I think Clem Costin is a great trade chip. I do. Tell, I, tell I think me, he would look good in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. Tell me, tell me as a uh, just as a hockey fan, not as a Clem Costin fan. I'm not asking for that reason, but to, to, to the people out there, why is uh, Brown? outplayed Costin like in what way I know in, in, yeah. initially Logan Brown scored a couple of goals played great has he done much since then and in what way is he outplaying well him? you notice him out there right like he's got the big body he's got great skill and he's had limited time where Clem Costin has had quite a runway here with the organization the Blues quite honestly are still just getting an introduction to Logan Brown and so far it's been good and yeah he'll be a healthy scratch here it's fine it's okay He'll practice with the team. He'll continue to get better. He'll work hard. He'll learn all these things. He'll get his opportunity again. They've got a lot of games coming up, some back-to-backs. Craig Berube doesn't usually like to let players who have played well sit on the sidelines. If you're out there for an extended period of time, it's because you're not playing very good. 
but Logan Brown get in there, and the competition right now directly will be Clint Costin versus Logan Brown, just like it was Logan Brown versus James Neal. How did that work out? Yeah. yeah. You know, now you've got two players that are close in age in Costin and Logan Brown. Which one can do more for you? Clint Costin could be a difference maker. The way he skates, the way he's built, how well, how much skill he has, but there's just there's something that's not there as far as the drive is concerned. Now he'll work out for ten hours a day and do all. It's not that he doesn't want to work hard. It's just that the appearance on the ice sometimes feels like he's disinterested. Mm, and that's not good. I mean, you guys can evaluate for yourselves when you watch him. When I watch a guy like Nathan Walker, okay, not the most talented player. But I don't ever feel like he looks disinterested. Whether it's two shifts, 10 shifts, 20 shifts. When I look at Clem Costin, there's times where I'm like, eh. Well, That's disappointing as long as it took him to get here, too. Well, well, and and the, thing, the thing I was going to say, man, is when Walker's on the ice, when, when, when uh, Dakota Joshua's on the ice, man. How about Tarvchenko? You know they're out there. And with Costin, man, there's been a couple times where I was like, is he... Is he in the lineup? Right. You know what I mean. Like, that's not a good sign. And that, and that to me, man. Like, like, I, I know I'm not watching the game like Jamie, but I know I'm watching it enough to be like. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I can tell when somebody kidding. is 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 just out there and not and not really producing, and it just does not. It just seems like his time here is short. Now, uh, the Last Minute Blues podcast is brought to you by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. One thing I definitely want to bring up is there was an incredibly uncomfortable exchange between Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers and a sports writer uh, in Edmonton, and it was. One of, I mean, you do not very often see hockey players get sour in these pressers like this. Right. I mean, very rarely, all yeah. right? And Leon Dreisaitl was not having it with this Edmonton reporter. Right. Said something to the effect of, you have all the answers, you know, that sort of thing. I am completely captivated by this for a couple of reasons. You don't see athletes act out like this very often, all right? So to me... It seems like there's got to be something here with this writer, and it's not just Leon Dreisaitl having a bad day with an Edmonton team that is not good. I cannot imagine the feeling of a hockey player, or any athlete really, but especially somebody as talented as him when things aren't going well, and they're oh for whatever, and they were doing great, and now everything sucks, and you got to go sit down and talk yeah. about it with <laughs> these writers. That's why I've often said, how great would it be if hockey referees had to do press conferences after games? Yeah. Or, you know, an ump behind the plate had to do a presser after the game. I I give it to Leon Dreisaitl for not yelling and screaming. The dude was calm, which made it so much more effective. And then that, then the sports writer saying, why are you so pissy? How yeah. un- I, To me, that is so unbelievably unprofessional that if I were in his shoes, and I'm not a sports writer, I understand that, but I do have some journalistic cred here, that that is just the wrong way to go about that that's at a, all. That, that's a act like you've been there before moment. A hundred percent. And he was not. So here's the interesting thing about this, and I said this on the fast lane. I've literally been on both sides of this, been the athlete that's being asked questions that are uncomfortable and also being the media guy who has to talk to somebody who's going through a tough time. And here, let's localize it. The St. Louis Blues have had some pockets of really tough times. Last year in particular where 
it didn't feel like they were going to win any games. And Ryan O'Reilly, every night, was asked the same question. So much so that you guys know. I said, O'Reilly. Give him a break. Take yeah. a night off. Yeah. Don't yeah he be- should be a healthy scratch for the press conference. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And so Leon Dreisaitl, because it's him and Connor McDavid. That's basically, it's the Edmonton McDavid Dreisaitls right. is what it should be called. Yeah. Because they're the only two guys that are worth a you-know-what uh, lately. And the media in Canada are ruthless. And Jim Matheson, who's the guy who was the Edmonton writer, he's a Hall of Fame writer, Donnie. Just ask him. Right. Trust well, me. And I read that in every article yeah. that I read about this oh, he'll exchange. he'll let you know. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> um, you know, they, they almost prey on these situations because there's really nothing to write about because the team is not playing well and, you know, you can only talk about how bad they are for so long. So they almost prey on this situation to be like, ooh, I wonder if I can create something here, which is completely unprofessional. And the backstory on this is Leon Dreisaitl has been asked all the time about the, the, the same questions, okay? And what I didn't like about his question was a blanket question. He was sewering the athlete on this one. So why do you think you guys are playing so poorly? All well, you're doing is throwing your, so your teammates under the bus. Now then. I have to, oh, our yeah. defense sucks. Oh, our goaltending sucks. Our coaching is like, what? You, there is no direction. Right. Now, I would have, because of where I am now and knowing how to manipulate conversations, and I'm 46 years old, I'm not Leon Dreisaitl, who's from Germany, by the way, who does a fantastic job of communicating in English. He does a great job. I would have said, well, let me ask you this, Jim. What are you seeing? And maybe I can explain it. So you, this is what you would say back to the yeah. reporter. And, and then he'd say, well, it looks like you guys can't seem to you know, close out hockey games. Okay, you're right. We're not doing a great job of keeping our foot on the gas. Yeah. And, you know, then you answer, is, why are you playing so poorly? Well, what do you mean? You know, How do you answer that? And, and then so I think that it gets old and it gets stale. And so Leon Dreisaitl... He short-answered him. Okay, I get it. it. Not the best way to do it. I would have found a way to give a little more, okay? But also, I'm not in the middle of a massive losing streak right now. I'm not being sliced and diced in the media. So that's the other side. People don't know the backstory of McDavid and Dryside will just get worked all the time. Yeah, they're two of the best players, but they can't seem to to buckle it down. They, they're not a two-way player. They're not handling this. Oh, they didn't back check on this play here. Oh, this guy was Leon Dreisaitl's guy. He scored. So all this stuff. And then, so he short answers him. And then he's like, why are you so pissy? And at that point, I couldn't believe it. Oh, yeah. At that point, if I'm Leon Dreisaitl, I say, hey, guys, I'm here to answer all your questions in a productive manner. But this right now, this is it for today. And I, I would have walked away. It, so it seems to me that the question in and of itself was almost to get Dreisaitl wound up. Yes. And then this reporter seemed to just take it to the next well, level. He kept poking. And then he, 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 you know, he just kept poking and poking. And Leon Dreisaitl short answered him two or three times. And that's when he said, well, you seem to have all the answers. Because okay. that guy writes an article, well, they need to be better at this. And Leon Dreisaitl, oh, so he's probably like, you know what? You got all the answers. Go with it. So what happens with this writer for the remainder of the year when he goes Nothing. into that locker room? Nothing. Yeah, see, I was going to ask that, too. No, because that's the problem with guys like Jim Matheson is he's happy about it. Because now when he goes in there, it's like a badge of honor. And like he's going to be in people's face. He's going to continue to do his thing because I have um, what, journalistic authority to be in here and i'm asking quick free speech this is what these guys do donnie but so, you can so do somebody, this job without yeah, but, doing it I know, that but way. now it's too late right. now that he's done this all the players are going to hate him 
And the media relations guy for the Oilers is going to be less than motivated, but then that's what happens. So Jim Matheson then will be like writing in an article, would have loved to talk to the players, but apparently now Can't I'm on the blacklist. Oh, and now God. he gets, now it's fueling the fire that's again. That's so. crazy. And that must be how it's so different there than here because It'd be in like a the million Yankees. years, I cannot imagine doing that to a Blues player and then being welcomed back there ever again. But then you have to have that attitude like some of these guys. You don't care. You don't care if you're welcomed. You, I've got yeah. a job to do, and I get it, okay? Listen, I do that job now. Yes. Right. Do you know how hard it was last year at times to have, we have Craig Berube, who comes on weekly in the fast lane, and God love him, because he does an amazing job. He gave us a couple of nuggets the other day that he didn't, wasn't telling anybody else. Chief hooked us up. But we went through a patch last year, you know. They weren't winning. They weren't playing good. Every night was the same. You know, can't close it out. Can't hang on to a lead. Can't, uh, second periods are bad. All that stuff that was trending last year, we had to have him on. We had to have a 10 or 11-minute conversation with this man. It's not like two or three questions at the podium. Right. We have a conversation. So guess what we did? We did our homework. I found certain – now, it's, I have an advantage because I played in the NHL. But these writers, Hall of Fame writer, you should do your homework. Mm-hmm. You take a look at the game, isolate something that you, in your opinion, is going wrong, and then – Ask two or three questions regarding that particular thing. See if you can get some answers towards what you're thinking. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. If you're wrong, why are you wrong? Right. So, so ask about ask about plays or incidences in the game, not just the overall. And don't game. ask about individuals. Yeah. Don't ask because the, the the team is going to protect. It'd be like Jeff if I asked you about the Rizzuto show. It, it like live on air you know, in front of everybody. You know who's not pulling their weight right now because right, your yeah. ratings are lower. Right, right? Yeah. they're not lower. They're sky high, of course. Yeah, but are... still, the answer would be King Scott. <laughs> <laughs> let me, you know, but let you know me... what I'm saying? Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. So it's better not to attack an individual that's part of the team. I would just I would bring up one piece of it. Like if the power play is not good, or I'm noticing that they're not killing penalties, or the discipline is bad. Go in that direction. Jamie, then why, and I, I, maybe this makes sense to you, you kind of called into question your old pal Ken Holland with the Duncan Keith trade earlier this summer with the Hawks. Why would the Oilers be kicking the tires on a Vander Kane of all people? If they need help, Donnie. They really? need help. And the price tag is right on it, okay? I Listen, I don't want a Vander Kane on my team. I personally, I get never get tired of punching that guy in the face. Okay, sure. um, but when you look at what he can do, if yeah. he's right in his head, and that's what you do, right? These second chance, third chance, fourth chance players, you hope that it clicks at some point, and they appreciate the fact that they're being given another chance. And then all of a sudden, you get the Evander Kane that's a thirty goal scorer yeah. or a forty goal scorer. Never mind that forty goal scorer, one hundred and fifty penalty minutes, one of the most vicious wingers in the NHL. That you fight Ryan Reeves one shift, but then score a hat trick the rest of the game. If you get that guy at a prorated million dollar contract, which is about five hundred and forty some thousand dollars, that's a victory. It's yeah. a massive victory. That's a steal. You right. got an all star NHLer for five hundred thousand dollars, basically. And if he's still a pain in the ass, you can get rid of you him. You just wipe it clean then. Yeah. You, because you're already not in great a great situation anyway. Yeah. No, you you wave him, you send him back down to the minors. He probably says, "Screw you, give me my release," and you're out from under it. Yeah. You know. Um. And, and Ken Holland is a, he's in tough here. He was handed a crap sandwich when he took over there. The Oilers have been mismanaged for. God, 20 years, probably. And they had, like, no salary cap space, like nothing. No, because they have to hang on to Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And they've had a few other guys that they've given good salaries to, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. But you need those guys. Yeah. You need them. So it's almost, you know, Doug Armstrong here, 
uh, not that he's taking heat. I think I think everybody understands the model of team that he's building, and he's used that that phrase "death by a thousand cuts" several times. A lot of teams don't view it that way. If I can have the best player in the world on my team, I just throw anything together and it works. Well, not necessarily true. Look at Nathan McKinnon too in Colorado. They play well. They've had some success, some, but they haven't had ultimate success. Heck, they haven't even been out of the second round of the playoffs. So, and he's one of the best players in the world. Yeah. There is some trickiness there. And Ken Holland is dealing with it. Well, he had all the best players in the world when I, when I was there. Not, yeah. not one of them, trust me. But he had everybody, but then we also had a $95 million payroll. Right. Yeah. And it didn't matter because Mike Illich and the Little Caesars family, they were farting $100 bills. And it's it didn't pizza. matter. You know, right. But now he's got to work under salary cap and try to put together a great team. And, yeah, Duncan Keith, that was a little bit of a curious move there. But they did need leadership on that team. Right. You know, like Connor McDavid is still a young guy in the NHL, a very frustrated young player. Look at Leon Dreisel. Obviously, we know he's frustrated. A guy like Duncan Keith has won three Stanley Cups. He's seen some things. He came into the Chicago organization when they were dog crap. So... Although as a player, maybe you're like, yeah, I look at it. You got a you got a top six defenseman. Do you think? Do you think those number one, that number one and number two in Edmonton, if they could get out of there, they would? Oh wow, yeah. I, why wouldn't you? Like I, I don't mind Edmonton. Some guys dog on it. It's cold as you know what. And, oh, I don't even mean that. I just no. mean the Stephen Jackson effect from the Rams. Yeah. A hell of a player that was wasted on a horrible team his entire career. Well, if you yeah, if you took Connor McDavid and plopped him here in the St. Louis Blues uniform, like oh my god, like oh my god, you're, you're saying that could possibly happen? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not something that. like that. Oh. No, he'll, Connor McDavid will never. <laughs> Shouldn't say never because Gretzky got traded. Right. Conor McDay will never be traded during this contract. I got to say, uh, and I don't know if this is the way we wrap it up or what have you. This is a little bit of a tangent, but I'm uh, almost done with Grant Fuhr's book. Uh, I started reading it a couple of weeks ago. And for hockey fans, I cannot recommend this book enough. And one of my favorite parts of it in reading it is when you are, you know, when you're reading the stuff that Grant is talking about, the 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 personality of this man is so unbelievably striking to me just the ability to be cool calm collected no matter what the situation no matter what game no matter what time and listening to him talk about those edmonton teams and the and the and the the fury of it up there you know when he starts to kind of talk about some of the drug stuff and it just it is fascinating to me because sure it's not your you know number one hockey market but that's all they got so they are tuned in and then some to that book or to to that team and it's just really fascinating it's just a really great read if anybody out there is looking for a hockey book it's a great one the the two things that i got from being in the presence of grand fear two times 30-something years apart, you know, is that he never said I when it came to his success. You know, hey, you did this record, you had this, and he and he would say, yeah, we did pretty good, didn't we? To me, that's very yeah. telling, very, very telling about somebody. I'm- and the other thing is he didn't have a drug problem. He's a guy that got caught doing drugs. And everybody well, thought he, t- he bit the bullet too for a lot of right, guys. Right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. That's and that's he, a, that's another aspect of it that yeah. needs to be told. Nobody talks about. There's guys, prominent, prominent players, that were involved in all that stuff too, and none of their names ever saw the light of day because Grant Fuhr said, "Yeah, it was me." 
Right. I, I it's just yeah. at some point in my life I have to meet that guy. Yeah. Because it, it you've never I, met him. We no, had him in here. I know, I know, and I chickened out and I didn't say anything to him because oh, that's man. how it happens. Come I did on. it with Kevin Smith too the day that he was in so, in the old building. Grant Fear was my first goalie here in St. Louis. Cujo was here, but then he got traded quickly and and you know, the Mike Keenan effect there. Mm-hmm. Um I couldn't have had a better goalie as a young defenseman coming into a team. You make mistakes. It's bound to happen. We still see young defensemen make mistakes all the time. But the goalie's not sitting there like with his hands up going, like, really? Like, what the hell? Or shaking his head at you or whatever. Fursey was awesome. I'd give up the puck, do something stupid with it, and then, you know, skate over and be like, ah, man, I'm sorry. He'd be like, ah, not such a great play there, was it? <laughs> and you're, like, laughing. Yeah, and then we need to get like, that puck out, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> or I'd give it up and they'd score. He's like, yeah. I probably should have saved you on that one, but sorry. <laughs> but but see, that to me is one of the most endearing parts of the book is because as you're reading this, and this man is talking about facing off against the Russian Five and all of these, you know, Stanley Cup finals, and it just, eh, yeah, yeah, we were pretty good. Yeah, I, I had okay. a good game that day. <laughs> He got pulled one time, and he came to the bench. He's like, ah, hard to hit today, wasn't I? (laughs) (laughs) But that is so great. I would imagine that type of personality. I mean, how do you not gravitate towards that? How do you not want to do everything you can to protect that guy? No, you love that dude. Um, He was amazing. I got to – do we have time for a quick Grant Fuhrer Yeah, do it, do it. Okay, so – we're playing Philadelphia. Grant Fuhrer is our number one goalie. Jamie McLennan is our backup goalie. Uh, Grant Fuhrer gets brand new pads in the morning. And Fuhrer, he was old school. He took them out of the box, wore them for pregame skate, wore them for the game. Now, Fuhrer, he was backing up this night in Philly. And uh, Noodles, Jamie McLennan, was in there. And he was playing great. We're up like 2-1 to one in the second period. Things are going great. All of a sudden, Noodles, like, cramps up. His whole body goes into, like, cramp and he, like, hits the turf on the ice. It looked like a hit with a blow dart. Mm-hmm. And Ray Barilli runs out there, and they basically stand him up and then just push him off the ice, like, on his skates, like a like a mannequin, because mm-hmm. he can't move. He's so cramped up. Well, Fursey's sitting down uh, near the defense, like, sitting right beside me most of the time because I didn't play an awful lot for Mike Keenan, <laughs> and... Fierzy had had a whole buffet of food going on down there. He had a hot dog. He had popcorn. He had a candy bar. On the bench? Yeah. Like, on the little, like, he had stuff, like, because he's like, I ain't playing. And so people would, like, fans, he would look over at fans and be like, oh, I want a hot dog. And they'd get him a hot dog and, like, slide it through, and he'd eat a hot dog. And it was just old school, like you wouldn't believe. Right. And so Keenan looks down at Fierzy. He's like, hey, let's go. I need you to go here. He's like, oh, okay. So he's like hiding a hot dog, <laughs> hiding a bag of like M&Ms, and he's like tucking it away. The trainers are trying to like add a screen for him so he can get rid of like some of the stuff. Right. So we wheel him out there in the second period, and Fiercey is a wheel him out there. He's a, he's a true professional. He's a five-time Stanley Cup champion at this point. Two minutes in, maybe not even. The Flyers come down the wall, I'll never forget it, down the right wing. Guy takes a slap shot, and Fierzy goes down in that patented, you know, like split glove save. Like, what? He goes, boom, and oh, he keels over. Like, what the hell just happened? He's rolling around in pain. Ray Burley's in with Jamie McLennan right now, tending to him. And now our our other goalie just went down. So our massage therapist, Jeff Cope, we call we call him Weird at Weird Al because he looked like Weird Al Yankovic. He goes running out there, not really knowing what are you like. What are you gonna do, Copey? Massage him? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> but we needed somebody to go out there. 
and uh, he tends to Fursey, and, and Fursey's rolling around, and it takes a few minutes. The referees come over, and the referees kind of got a weird look on their face, and I'm like, oh, no, like, what's going on here? Fursey pulls his you-know-what together and gets through it, and he's fine. Stick, sticks it out. We go into the intermission, and uh, we get in there, and he pulls off his pad, and on his knee, there is a round, I mean, perfectly round circle on his kneecap, and it's red and swollen, and it's just nasty. Fursey forgot he had a jawbreaker in his oh pad. Oh, my. He he sat there on the bench, and as he was scrambling to get his crap together, he had a little, you know, the, the jawbreakers are in the plastic, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. He had it tucked in his pad, hiding it. He forgot about it. So then the first time he faced a shot, he went down, and he dropped his knee directly on the jawbreaker. Basically a golf ball. Basically a golf ball. So we were, like, crying, laughing, and he's icing down his knee, and Keenan comes in. He's like, what the hell happened? He's like, I don't know, something in my new pad. So he's like, what? He goes, what the hell? And Keenan's looking at his pad, trying to find this, like, round perfectly. Like, he's confused, as I would have been, too. And uh, he's like, I don't know, kind of a freak thing. But he's like, you're okay to go? Yeah, I'm good to go. We end up winning the game. And, man, did we laugh about that. <laughs> so, got that I would story send him forever. a jawbreaker for his birthday yeah. every year. I think one of the stories, too, that he tells in the book is about about coming to, to camp for the Canada Cup and knowing that uh, that Mike Keenan was, like in a, you know, was, was crazy about personal fitness or whatever and how Fuhr and Wendell Clark, I guess, were on the bikes all the time Would because of Keenan. Have ever told you the Fursey story here in St. Louis? No. Okay, so he comes into St. Louis and we're doing the physical fitness, fitness testing and Brad Hall, first of all, was a beauty. Uh, you know, he sat down under the bench press. It was 185 and he's like, yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> Keenan's like, what do you mean you're good? What are you talking about? He's like, listen, Mike, my arms go up over my head, not straight out. <laughs> He goes, he goes, why don't you have Twister do that one? So Keenan was already hot under the collar at this point, and Grant Fear gets on the bike for the VO2 test. And he's pedaling along, pedaling along. About four minutes in, he's like, oh, I'm good. That's good. I'm good. The people are, like, looking around like, what do you mean you're good? Like, dude. Keenan comes over and goes, what the F you mean you're good? He's like, oh, I'm good. That's good. That's all I can do. He goes. Furiously, the test hasn't even started yet. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a no tension thing. They didn't even have him hooked up. They had no reading. And Furiously said, like, oh, Mike, I'm good. I'm good. And he was like 30 pounds overweight. So Keenan sent him away from camp. Remember, he suspended him from the team and uh-huh. made this big thing. We had to move our camp to Worcester that year because the Hardy's Iceplex wasn't ready yet. And there was a Pro-Am golf tournament in Boston. Mike Keenan goes out to watch the Pro-Am. And Grand Fury's playing? Now on the tee box, <laughs> Grant Fuhrer. Fursey's playing the damn thing. And so Keenan found him after the round of golf and uh, said, get your ass back to camp. Fursey came back to camp, and he played 77 games that year. Unbelievable, man. Man, a five-time cup winner, and you got to say that to him. Right. Get your ass back to camp. <laughs> right. yeah. It was the best. I was like 19 years old at the time, and the funniest stuff ever, and we'll talk about that one time. I'll just tell stories one day of that training camp the physical fitness testing because nobody had ever done it before. And here in St. Louis, we did like a couple things before, but then this was like the VO2 and the Wingate and the bench press and the sit-ups and the push-ups. And it was actually kind of a damn comedy show watching guys do this. I can only imagine. Well, fantastic. Guys, I don't mean to end this, but I got to go be on the radio.
Okay. You know, like on the radio. Just keep in mind while you go on about radio. your day that Grand Fear only has two more championships than Pat Maroon. That's crazy. Isn't that, isn't Man, that, that is crazy. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. Uh, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango. It is the Last Minute Blues podcast. As always, we appreciate your ears. And more importantly, let's go, Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union. Empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors... We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.